Hi, this is Better Read Than Dead, a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And today we are starting our two-episode Halloween spooktacular with the monkey's paw, which is W.W. Jacobs' 1902 short story about a cursed monkey's paw that grants whomever owns it three wishes. And yes, I'm going to say cursed and not cursed (laughs) in Shakespearean style. So, Katie, why the monkey's paw? Well... One reason is that uh, the 1999 film Idle Hands is a movie, not a book, and we've chosen to do books for whatever reason. Um, But it's important that everyone get the lesson that never trust a hand. You don't trust a hand, don't trust a paw, don't trust any of that shit. (laughs) Well, the the other thing is, maybe more importantly, so we have monkey's paws, which are in direct contrast. We have the, you know, the dialectic with monkey's paws and, uh, bonobos paws and bonobos use their paws not for cursing but for um you know jacking off yeah. mostly <laughs> that's what i understand anyway yeah yes and so that's that's something right but the real reason the truest reason the deepest reason to do anything is because of the fail sun content and we have some serious fail sun content here oh yeah folks we have a a true all-timer fail sun his name is Herbert. He dies of trying to be funny, pretty much. <laughs> um, it's that's a theme that we are continuing from Tristram Shandy. Mm-hmm. So, but but just to introduce you to Herbert, who we'll talk more about later. One of the things that Herbert does, as Megan pointed out, this paw is cursed, <laughs> and everybody knows it. The one, if there's yeah. one thing you know about this GD paw, it's that don't fuck with it because it's cursed. Yeah. But Herbert, Herbert finds out that this is a supernatural and dangerous object that his family is now in possession of and proceeds to say, hey, dad, you should wish, you should use this monkey's paw to wish that you were an emperor because then mom couldn't be such a fucking bitch to you. High five, high five, high five. I'm your adult son. (laughs) That is classic large, large adult son behavior. Oh, yeah. um, and I also, I mean, you know, when we, when we said we were going to do this podcast, you know, all those many months and more than a year ago, I don't think we really realized how central the fail sun would be. <laughs> it's literature's greatest theme, turns it, out. It is. It really is. So, um, yeah, that that was that was dope uh, <laughs> to, to see yet another iteration of of that. From Telemachus forward, all literature is fail suns. Yes, <laughs> this is the most important thread. Um, okay, so like, I wanted to read this because, duh, like, we all know I love a creepy horror story. I love them all. And I especially love the ones that love imperialism. Uh, Dracula is one of those. <laughs> uh, we got we got some other ones that I don't remember, but it's a bunch of them. <laughs> I mean the whole the whole the whole mummy film genre. For oh God, the- yeah, good point. From <laughs> forever, from the start of the mummy films. I mean the go- the gothic novel in Britain, which is all about how scary Catholics and oh, Orthodox Christians are, and uh, the Oriental tale of yeah. There's there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. He says <laughs> in it like, oh, this is like the Arabian Nights, and I'm like, have you read that? Because <laughs> that's great. Because like. We're doing some Halloween episodes, and I think that Halloween should always be a holiday about why the Orient, in quotes, is terrifying, and not an occasion to dress up like a portmanteau 
and get drunk on vodka cranberries. <laughs> we would never. We would never. I would never dress myself as Washington Post Malone or such a before and after <laughs> <laughs> bullshit. I don't even know what all what any of those things is. Because yeah. <laughs> I am 38 years old and I'm too old for Post Malone and too young for the Washington Post. Washington Post Malone. <laughs> it's the worst. I hate myself for even thinking that. Uh, <sighs> we so love yeah, you so for it. I just I a person's brain spins when they're in isolation. Yes. Yes. Okay, but this is a story like the most dangerous game in that it wildly exceeds its original context in the sense that like I know the Simpsons adaptation much better than I know the original story. Yep, yep, yep. It has been adapted several times for radio, which I think is cool. Because radio was a great medium for horror and science fiction and genre. And podcasts are the radio of the present, right? <laughs> no, probably yeah. not. Yeah, so you can say fuck and, you know. Like you're There's not, that. I mean, some of them don't. <laughs> and, uh, and if you're doing uh, just an indie one as, as we are, you're not at all beholden to what an advertiser thinks an appropriate time length or content or amount of swearing is. So, you know. That's true. <laughs> so we don't have to be sponsored by uh, Lucky Strikes. <laughs> <laughs> it's toasted, yeah. But. <laughs> so, like, speaking of radio, I read this out loud to my kid because. She loves being read to, and I like to multitask. So I was like, <laughs> I have to read this, but also I have to hang out with you. So I'm going to do both at once. <laughs> and it is quite good read out loud, but it sucked too because I had no sound effects like creepy string music or thunder and lightning noises. And that detracted from my performance because <laughs> that's what you need for something to be scary on the radio or what used to be the radio. I will also note that this captures a super important theme of literature, which is how do you sort out who is smart and who is dumb? And we learn that because people play chess in it. <laughs> and whoever's better at chess is a dead man. So <laughs> checkmate motherfuckers yeah that's don't how books nerd. go don't be a nerd right uh which is actually a very important uh point in in horror generally right yeah don't play games oh games what does that mean that's what a symbol good job at symbols sir exactly uh that's right <laughs> be leery of of, of 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 anything with a symbol um and also like yeah well you also it's either like don't be a nerd or like be the best nerd and you win the horror thing right that's 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 a common thing as well right like i the, think the, it's also like a men it's a man game right so like the brain <laughs> of man i'm surprised they don't play it in most dangerous game frankly yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. That's true. Um, I also, I'll say, you know, my kids a, a few years older than yours. Uh, get in that like you can read whatever the fuck to them, and they find it soothing. Because there's a point, and you you don't know when it's happening when suddenly it clicks, and they know exactly what the fuck you're saying and talking about. And yeah. so this becomes not you know mom being soothing and like oh my god I'm not sleeping for five <laughs> nights. You know? Right. So I. I'm just getting it in now. Although, you know, I can, there's stuff I read that's not like full of ding dongs and F words, I guess. Why bother? 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> we should all be uh, Tristram Shandy and 80% Ding Dongs. Yeah. That's the right ratio. I'll tell you one reason I wanted to read this, which is um, our academic year just started. And oh boy, could I use something short to read right now since I'm, yeah. about, <laughs> I'm about to reread Georg Wilhelm fucking Hegel. Uh, shout out to our friend Matt Halski for that, <laughs> that one. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, no, seriously, except I'm very serious about that being a reason I wanted to read this now. I, I had such a blast with our Halloween series last year. I really couldn't wait to do it again. I am so excited to do it again, not pregnant. That rules. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. I, I can I can only imagine that that it does. And yeah, like I I, I know nothing about W.W. Jacobs or, or really even this story other than the fact, like you guys said, it's been adapted, uh, you know, 50,000 times at like Megan. Uh, I, I remember well, the Simpsons second Treehouse of horror episode way back in the early nineties, which is fucking classic. And I'm, sh- I'm sure there must've been a version of this on, are you afraid of the dark and Nickelodeon? About oh, I'm the same sure. Time. Yeah. And, and yeah, so I know it's been made and remade and alluded to in other, in other, you know, kind of horror suspense stuff. But until Katie suggested it, I honestly couldn't have even begun to tell you when or what the original story was from. And I loved it. It, it, it is your prototypical Twas a Dark and Stormy Night story. Short uh, enough to read it to your kid. That rules. <laughs> <laughs> it does a cool job building your suspense, often dopely, but, you know, it's a genre thing, too. Um, you know, I think, but I think it really does like dot its I's and cross its T's on like, this is a spooky story, in case you didn't get that. And like, yeah, it turned out there's real political and historical shit to dork out over here, too. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely, Megan. This is imperial literature. No bones about that. And, you know, I'm sure we will talk about some of the Orientalist, you know, quote unquote tropes it deploys, uh, which are just like so common in imperialist literature from the 17th century, uh, really through the present. And also, I just, you know, spoiler alert here, I'll tell you what the real spook factor is in this story. Insurance. So we'll get to that. <laughs> It's a crucial dynamic. Uh, Okay, so today we are, in fact, talking about insurance, liability in general, the short story and genre, and the family, and imperialism. Katie, will you give us the summary, please? I can't wait. We open, and it's, as, as we've said, a dark and stormy night. The only sounds heard are the those of Snoopy tap, tap, tapping on the typewriter. <laughs> and Mr. and Mrs. White. Ooh, the White family. Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. White is, is, doing, is doing commentary while Mr. White plays chess with his large adult son, Herbert. We do not uh, get to know Herbert too, too much for reasons that, well, you'll find out soon enough. He's smarter than his dad at chess, but he is also a bit of a ding-dong. Hey, speaking of ding-dong, did I hear the doorbell? Oh. I told you this needed sound effects to be, <laughs> Actually, <laughs> to be yeah. done well. <laughs> we really should have worked up a soundboard for this one. Yeah, somebody, whoever's editing this, just bang in some doorbell noises, please. <laughs> I can bang. I'm banging all the. Do- I'm banging a lot of doorbell noises. We- I got a whole. Oh, you want some dramatic piano? Bada bang. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, like I said, I, I wanted it. creepy strings, a la Psycho. <laughs> Does this do anything for you? Is that creepy? I don't know if it's sufficiently creepy. No. Yeah, this feels stop. more like a sort of like romantic drama, like on Lifetime or something. I feel like. Oh, know? that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. 
Wait, mm. he has a wife? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One whole wife. It's the scariest amount of wives to have. Um, okay, so we get the we get ding dong. Uh, sorry, it's Sergeant Major Morris, of course, who's come to pay a little visit. He has been doing British Army things in India for like two decades, probably just a bunch of neat stuff we don't have to worry about. Definitely <laughs> nothing bad he was doing over there. Nope. And he is hanging out with family and he says, um, oh, I uh, I have this uh, magical monkey's paw, which I'm certain you wouldn't be interested in. And, of course, their eyes get gigantic like saucers and their tongues loll out and they say like, hubba hubba oh. <laughs> how can I get my? How can I get your paw into my paw if you catch my meaning? Yeah. <laughs> so Morris sticks a flashlight under his chin and gives them the poop. He says that this magical monkey's paw has this, this spell on it because the point of the spell is to show that fate rules people's lives, and that those who interfere with it did so to their sorrow. He says, "I'm quoting because I don't because he says it was put on by an old fuck here." Oh, yes. Right. Yes, yes. It's a word that really needs to appear in 1902 in practically all stories. Yes, yes. Well, welcome to the story. Um, <laughs> so the reason why the – and like rule of threes, you get three wishes from it. Uh, three, separate, three separate men get three wishes from it. And so Mrs. White, uh, being the – questioning genius that she is says uh hey morris have you had your wishes and he says yes i have had my wishes one of them was to have a stupid ass fucking conversation and um <laughs> so she continues fulfilling that wish by asking if anyone else has wished on the paw and he says yes he's a quote the first man had his three wishes i don't know what the first two were but the third was for death and that's <laughs> how i got the paw <laughs> what and they're like suspense. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. Suspense. I bet they do the, the 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 wise thing, right? Which is like, oh, well, that is too spooky, and we're just going to leave that Paul alone, and uh, that's the end of the story, right? Throw it on the we fire, but no, that's a <laughs> why. Why would you do that if we want? We want it. <laughs> they're going to take the paw. They take the paw. Yeah. No, the story is short. They they say they pack up shop. They do the smart thing. Now, they ask some more questions. They're a questioning family. They're full of questions. Curious minds, intellectuals. Mr. White says, uh, so, okay, so so you already did your wishes. So wh why do you still have the dried up old paw? And uh, he's like, well, I wanted to sell it, but you, you have to let people test drive magical objects first to prove <laughs> that they're really magical. And uh, that's a no-go for me because it depreciates the value. And then Mr. White asks another pointed question. Um, if you could have more wishes, would you Would you have more wishes? Would you wish for more wishes? And he looks like haunted into the distance and is like, I don't fucking know, man. I don't fucking know. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, this paw sounds great. We want it. <laughs> and, and Morris says, okay, well, please don't use it. And to ensure that you won't. Uh, I will give you precise instructions for how to use it, which is that you hold it in your right hand and say your wish out loud. And, of course, it, with this solemn, solemn scene, Mrs. White begins practicing her tight five. So she's setting the dinner table and she's like, do you think I could wish I had more hands? <laughs> 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 oh, set the man. dinner table better. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> LMFAO, yeah. And um, the whole family th- they, like busts a gut because they um, they're all fucking awful. And Morris is like, uh, for Christ's sake, you absolute dipshits, you deserve this fucking monkey spot. No, he doesn't say that. He says, if you're gonna do this bad idea shit, at least like be somewhat sensible about it and don't wish to become an octopus, you dumbass. <laughs> and then he's like, I am getting out of here before these people start watching Jay Leno as their e- evening yeah. entertainment, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So he departs, and then we have um. Then we get more from Herbert, who is the ideas guy of the family, kind of the ideas guy, and he's Check like, mate. "Hey, <laughs> yep." Uh, he's like, "Hey, you should wish for two hundred pounds to own the libs. No, it's to own their house. <laughs> <laughs> they they want two hundred pounds to own their house, and the dad is so he the dad wishes for it, and he's like." totally fucked up after he does so he's like very haunted and he's like it twisted the monkey's paw twisted in my hand like a snake Ah! and herbert is like well i don't see any money around here and i bet i never shall (laughs) and herbert should play the ponies because he is very good at betting and probably little else (laughs) Herbert then continues trying to be funny, an awful habit that he's clearly picked up from his mother. And he's like, yuck, yuck, what if you find the money in your bedroom tonight, but the Babadook is there? And what if it fell on your head from the sky like the piano that I deserve to have crush me? (laughs) And the dad says, no, you fucking nincompoop. No, again, he doesn't say that. Uh, Morris, he says, Morris said the things uh, happens that he seems so natural you could attribute it to coincidence. Flash forward. Knock at the door. Knock, knock, knock. Oh, no. It's a guy in a fancy hat. Oh, nothing good can come of this. We find out that Herbert is fucking dead and that the company that he worked for is giving the family 200 pounds. That's what her one Herbert is worth 200 pounds. That's the Herbert exchange rate. I mean, 1902. And that's a that's, lot of money given what we know about yeah, him so far. Like, it's way more might, than her. They made, they made, they'd made a killing on Herbert. Um, yeah. The 1902 exchange rate. I feel like, I feel like Herbert might be over, overpriced as, as the capitalists would say. But. <laughs> we have our Herbert bubble. Um, <laughs> so, so they get the 200 pounds and they're like, Wait a minute. That's the same amount. The paw. Oh, shit. The paw killed Herbert. The paw killed Herbert. What do we do? What do we do? Uh, Herbert got owned to death by trying to dunk on the paw. Oh, no. We should never do jokes again. Um he got he the what the insurance dude that shows up with the fancy hat insurance guy says he got caught in the machinery and then he says a bunch of like we accept no liability and uh all uh, read the fine print on your son and his job Uh, (laughs) and so he he dips and even though herbert was a fucking oaf it's still very sad after he died there's a lot of weeping at windows and such and it's gonna like put in a little weird weird uh PSA here, which is that one of my best friends told me that her parents wanted to make sure they had three kids. So if one of them died, the other two would have each other. And so I'm only saying this because, like, maybe they shouldn't have had one kid. I think they. (laughs) Well, we'll get to the principle of risk uh, a bit later (laughs) in the episodes. (laughs) I think of all the ways that this was their fault, that's the last one that I thought of. Well, just, you know, certain facts. Yeah. 
yeah. you know, that's a strategy. <laughs> Can I tell you? Her dad grew okay. up on a farm, so the odds of somebody getting sucked into the machinery, I think, are pretty good. That's yeah, that's that's true. That's yeah. So as we took a winding road to get to the next plot point, so did Mr. and Mrs. White. And so it, after a while, they finally figured out Mrs. White finally figures out like, hey, why don't you wish Herbert back to life? She's never seen a movie. Just she doesn't watch the movie. It's 1902, there- right? Like, <laughs> well, yeah. she should know what fucking movie she's in. Well, uh, yeah, she, she should. She, well, you know, if you do one bad idea, then it cancels. If you do two bad ideas, the the second one cancels the first one out. Um, um, right. It's just like in the ring. If you watch the movie, if you watch the cursed movie twice, it undoes it. It's like pressing <laughs> rewind. <laughs> Control Z that. Anyway, she's like the other wish worked. Ergo, here to four post hoc. Ergo, propter hoc. This solves the problem. I logic it. And Mr. White is like, maybe it was a coincidence. And also, he's been dead for over a week. And let me tell you, he looked pretty fucking bad before uh, he got <laughs> caught in caught in some machinery. And I could only recognize him by his clothes. But the law of happy wife, happy life prevails, and she f- makes him wish Herbert back alive. And she is waiting at the window for her undead son, who they assume will be rising out of the grave um, any second now. And Mr. White is getting very nervous. His asshole is clenching up even more than your average guy's asshole in 1906 England was clenched, which is very tight. <laughs> And he hears a knock at the door. And everyone starts motherfucking screaming, which is no way to act when you might have company. And the mom is like, it's Herbert. And Mr. White is like, what the fuck, lady? Are you nuts? Don't let it in. And fortunately, being a woman, she is unable to do things like open doors with any level of competence. So she's diddling with the bolt and she finally gets it open and hears how the story ends. Mr. White heard the creaking of the bolt as it came slowly back, and at the same moment he found the monkey's paw and frantically breathed his third and last wish. The knocking ceased suddenly, although the echoes of it were still in the house. He heard the chair drawn back and the door opened. A cold wind rushed up the staircase, and a long, loud wail of disappointment and misery from his wife gave him courage to run down to her side and then to the gate beyond. The street lamp flickering opposite Shown on a quiet and deserted road. Ooh, spooky. Spooky. <laughs> yeah. No zombies here. No. No. Just implied uh, zombies. This is this is the point at which Ned Flanders used the monkey's paw that Homer had discarded to wish the uh, space aliens who invaded the planet because of Simpson stoop family stupidness away and Ned Flanders becomes the hero of Earth. So it is actually possible to, uh, you know, do good wishes on a monkey's paw that turn out in your favor. <laughs> Except that Ned Flanders is the king of Earth, which is bad for everyone else. Well, yes, it, 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 that is that is true. Although I don't. Yeah. Don't send those well, aliens away. I like them. <laughs> <laughs> if only Ned Flanders were here, surely it would have been a much holier and successful endeavor. That's true. <laughs> the Ned Flanders podcast is, you know, we're all on tenterhooks for that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Katie, give us the the zombie context, the undead context for this. 
here's some oh so much oh i'm gonna give a little real context and i'm gonna give a quick other context about other matters such as different types of monkeys (laughs) (laughs) whose paw it might be (laughs) whose paw it might be who have their paws all in different places so this thing as megan said has been adapted a bajillion times it was adapted immediately after it's after it was published in this volume of short stories called the lady of the barge which um sounds like a a a bitch who's a ship i don't know (laughs) it sounds like a half of a tristan uh episode choice (laughs) (laughs) well this guy also like i think that this guy he wrote shit like all of his stories are boat boat themed like sailors knots and um the skipper's wooing and (laughs) sea urchins and i'd like to point out just that there's he he usually wrote about rural dipshits like that was his thing Mm -hmm. and one of his characters was named ginger dick ginger dick (laughs) his name is ginger dick oh man as stupid as ragged dick couldn't be. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Is there any is there any phrase from Victorian or Edwardian England that isn't some sort of coded reference to a penis? <laughs> you know, like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I highly I highly doubt it. I mean, uh, from what I know, spotted dick for dinner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get your hands off my plum pudding. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh. Just also to just give a sense of how I mean, this is like so in the popular culture that when I tried to do do the Google Scholar for articles about this, just to see what's what, you know, there are the entire first page, like the majority of that is just other it's articles about other things that people say are monkeys' paws, like oh, the iron- it's just a touchstone for for the sto- for like don't wish for something unless you don't want it. Yes, the the ones on the first page are like no satisfaction. A case of the monkey's paw, top down school reform in the conduit. The monkey's <laughs> paw, regulating deliberate environmental release of genetically engineered organisms. Uh, the monkey's paw the role of inheritance in the resolution of grief in death studies hmm. that, that that is unsurprising but it's also kind of surprising to me because as i was reading it's like there's like four separate pretty interesting arguments i think you could make very quickly about this thing so i'm i'm surprised no one's just like oh fuck no one's actually written about this let me let me do it yeah. you know I mean, I, there, it's it's not that nobody's written about it, but the fact that the ones that come up are just like other people fucking using the phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Which is which is bananas to me. The, sure, sure. We could talk about we could talk about Freud, and I'm sure we will later. But we've spent some time on monkeys and their paws, and but this will come up later. And I'd like to simply take a little bit of time to introduce you to the beloved bonobo again. I know this doesn't seem like relevant context for the story, but it's relevant context for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I like how you got from Freud to Bonobos. That's particularly skillful. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think Freud would would be down with that too. So. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, why the hell not? Okay. So 
just keep keep some of this shit in mind. Okay, all right. And cons- you can consider me for all the bonobo portions today. Just consider me your guide through a magical world. I'm like a like a like a a, a gentleman with a long ponytail who won't <laughs> shut up about his polycule. <laughs> and that's who I am. I'm wearing my sandals. But these little creatures are horny as can be. And we we hear about these little buddies uh, mostly because they're the name of a they share a name with a brand of pants or something, and also they're real freak nasty. Unlike a monkey's paw, which can kill you, um, bonobos use their paws for reach arounds. So <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so so you should have a little understanding of the CEO of being a hoe of the primate kingdom, which is the bonobo. One fun thing is um, the bonobo handshake. Uh, it's called the bonobo handshake. When when you when you fuck to um, avoid a a conflict, uh, that's a hand, bonobo handshake. Um, but that's like good. They do that. It's the opposite of chimps, right? Where they're like, yeah. I will rip this other chimp into pieces and then eat it so he doesn't have any more baby chimps. Yeah, I was I was actually just going to say that, like, I mean, yeah, this is, oh, it's fun to dug on the bonobos. I'm down for that. But uh, they actually sound like kind of much better than most animals, including humans, you know? <laughs> this is a thing that, um, that, so some of the things that are said about bonobos are, Some things get left out of the bonobo conversation. One (laughs) is that they're sort of, they're sort of, they're sort of the that that they fuck things. They fuck some of their they they fuck they don't respect the age requirements that we do. Um, (laughs) Okay. Got it. That's right. Or they're equivalent. Yeah, let me. I I I retract my previous praise of the bonobos. (laughs) Yeah, I should have said that first. Um, (laughs) but I didn't wanna. Anyway, they also have huge balls. Um, moving on to something uh, different. (laughs) They have huge balls. So if you were if you were a person with balls, um, with average size balls. And you were turned, and you got a monkey's paw wish turned you into a bonobo, but that was the size of a person. Your balls <laughs> would be twice the size they were originally. That's worth. That's worth the whole wish. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's one wish, twice the balls. Come on now, <sighs> simple math. Except in this book, you'd get elephantiasis, and that's how you'd have double the balls. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, R- oh, rough boy. stuff. It's rough. <laughs> it's rough. They also have so like they have they have a sort of like a matriarchal society. So the females that live in the group together are not related, but the males who live in the group generally are. So that's something about them. And the reason why I'm telling you this is so you want to keep these things in mind later as we go because there's there's a certain type of person who's really interested in bonobos and who comments about them a lot online. And um, the the Venn diagram of people who do this and who recently discovered that we live in a society and would like to muse about it on the virtual public <laughs> sphere is just a circle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yes, and and they go they go on and say things like, um, "It's the paradox of tolerance. You can have a peaceful, tolerant oh, no. society like the bonobos, but you can't be tolerant toward fascists like chimpanzees." <laughs> uh, okay. Chimps. Okay. Fascists. Okay. So now that you are now that you have in your paws some some real knowledge, dropped a lot of different types of knowledge on you. Um, let's go back to another thing that uh makes makes us all horny, which is talking about literature. The monkey's paw. <laughs> Am I right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> No, was, I was I was wondering like the more facts we got about bonobos, how this was going to come back to the story, and uh, that was that was great. That was yeah. Personally, didn't care. I was like on for the bonobo train. <laughs> oh, I didn't care. I was train, just like, like, wow, this is I'm I'm this this is going to be impressive. I'm, I'm here to see. Yeah, waiting happens. for the segue. <laughs> I wish I had a segue to ride away in embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but but also, I like you know. To, 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 hey, another segue. You started by saying, "Hey, this is like a this is a reference point that like very few people have written about, or at least that's not what it's at the top of the the like the MLA search uh, search functions." And so, basically, we use this to talk about bonobos. <laughs> is really what we were doing? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, thank you. I my article about bonobos is called the monkey's paw. What other primates put their paws in their pants and (laughs) (laughs) wiggle them around? Uh. (laughs) Do all types of stuff. Uh, um, I'm I'm unwell from having researched bonobos. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a it's not a Google search. I think I would want to get into. Yeah, no, don't hit that images tab, friends. Okay, so Tristan, I think you brought it up, which is like the what is what is man worth, and insurance <laughs> shall decide for us. Yes, uh, so, yes. So, in, in addition to to, to uh, what what makes us all all hot, uh, talking about literature, <laughs> talking about capital insurance. and insurance, right? <laughs> like, Not safe for work. <laughs> no, I'm totally not safe for safe for work. Yeah, no, right. So, and, and to be clear, I mean, knowing nothing about the author, I have no idea how much this was present on his mind. But it doesn't fucking matter because it's a theme that happens in the story. Yeah. So we get this like sort of yeah, orientalizing narrative of like the origin of the monkey's paw, right? And it's that uh, as, as as Megan said, uh, this this old fakir, which is a uh, I mean, it's a term that initially, like originally, refers to, uh, and and uh, I think in in, in uh, Sufi Islam, uh, an, an ascetic. Uh, it gets sort of like in imperialist. We just use terms completely devoid of the original context. Refer to like any kind of like ascetic or sort of like holy figure in in throughout the Middle East and South Asia. Yeah, we just mean like mystical. I think I don't yeah. mean we. I just mean like literature. Yes, that's right. It, it, yeah, I mean it, it. It actually it isn't. It is a term that has a specific kind of religious meaning in its original context, but just becomes like a holy magic man. So this is okay, the movie right. Aladdin. If you're all paying attention, yes, that, that, yeah, exactly. And so this is the line for the sergeant major again. Uh, he wanted to show that fate ruled people's lives, and that those who interfered with it did so to their sorrow. Which okay, fine. Um, um, you know that so we're in this like kind of idea of fate or whatever. But then with the the son dying and the two hundred pound the receipt of two hundred pounds, 
we are not. So let me back up for a second. The idea of risk and the idea of probabilities and that like there is actually sort of like a mathematical like sort of uh, bumbo jumbo you could do to to account for that and to uh, contain it ultimately to your financial advantage. That is a very modern thing like that. That actually sort of arises right with the rise of capital. And it is completely opposed to a sort of pre-modern idea of fate. Right. So like, you know, I mean, a, like a stupid example, right? Like you, if you flip a coin, right, you have a, a 50, 50 chance of um, it being heads or tails. You do it again. Like, you know, it, it's essentially half of that. And, and so each time you, each time you flip like the odds, of it landing on the same side decrease like it, there, there's a precise m- mathematical formula that will tell you this chance um if you go back to like the middle ages or the ancient world there is no concept that that is something that you can sort of like account for mathematically instead it's the idea of like god or before that the gods controlling everything and this concept of fate right i mean that doesn't mean that like uh you know an event wouldn't be like sort of more expected or less expected but they they really this idea that like science about how you can do that that is like very much part of of capital and so i just thought that that was like this really interesting collision point in this story where it is this like this like kind of mystical sort of like ancient thing and it has like yeah these kind of orientalizing valences but the effect ends up in this like deeply modern register of how companies protect themselves from, you know, uh, the loss of a worker. Um, and I don't quite know what to do with that. And like, maybe there's not that much. Cause again, I don't think it's really thinking that seriously about it, but I kind of want to think seriously about that. You know, I do think there's a, I think there's weirdly a lot there, you know? And so I think the thing about the coin flip is sort of interesting to me because each time you flip the coin, of course, it's like it's always a 50-50 chance that that you'll get heads or tails. But you but what's important about the like po- once you do it more times, mm-hmm. the the likelihood of the same thing happening in like the the likelihood of getting any one outcome in a row decreases. Yes. That's right. It's like the, 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 the past has this almost kind of like mystical feeling influence over present chance and circumstance, right? Yeah. Well, only in taking an aggregate. Yes, correct. Exactly. Each individual thing is just an individual thing. But when you think of it in aggregate, suddenly this very complex sort of shit starts to arise. Yeah. And you get a kind of predictive- We did math. uh, Good for us. Awesome. (laughs) Podcasting for math. <laughs> so it's the same thing about the monkey's paw. So it's by by amassing different times the monkey's paw does shit that we realize that maybe it is fucking magical right. and not a coincidence. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Okay, cuz the first one could be coincidence. Yes, and y- so it the monkey's paw itself the predictive function has a lot to do with the stories around it and the fact that it seems to turn out fucked like every time. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it fadedness. Well, I don't know. See, that's the question: is how do you actually even make a meaningful distinction between something with like a hundred percent probability? And I'm I don't know any of this shit, so I'm going to sound like a horse's ass, kind of. <laughs> but okay, so you can so a company will takes out insurance because they think that it's 
very likely that somebody that they will need to use it or like mm-hmm. that if especially something like this that it'll come out in their favor not to be sued so they're like spending yes. enough on insurance that it like benefits them in when insurance claims are made yes and and, and I just want to interject something because it does it, it is never specified that the 200 pounds is like the company's insurance policy. So if some asshole libertarian has listened this far into the commie lit podcast, it's like, no, well, this could have been the company's benevolence. Fuck you. There is no way that that is not an insurance <laughs> payment that the company has taken out of that policy on its workers. Yeah. but Oh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, right. I mean, I, I think I'll just throw one more thing in here, though, which is like that the, the company, right? Like whether we want to call it in this story a structure of capital or not, because like we're just going to do that because we want, is there is a, a formula right for like a human life as as a, as a value as a sum, mm-hmm. and but the story is like, oh no, randomness is not a thing. Yes, right. No, it, it, I think that's exactly right. And and also like, okay, so from the perspective of like capital, right? Uh, the idea that like you can demystify the world through this like rationality where, oh yeah, sure, you can just assign like a value to someone's life or their arm or whatever the fuck. That uh, that like makes the world more secure or more legible. But from the perspective of like, for instance, the worker, that is like deeply dehumanizing and fucked up. So like in some ways, a narrative of like fate and magic and the supernatural. There's a comfort to that because it's yeah, not randomness. Exactly. And so I think that that regardless of what Jacobs thought he was doing with this, I think that we can situate this story in a way a lot of, you know, like uh, in the modern era stories about magic and the supernatural work. Which is that, like, you know, the spookiness is in some ways less spooky or it'll just at least less violent, right? <laughs> than than uh, just the in, in extremely sort of sociopathic logic of that you could just assign a dollar value to like the chance that you will lose labor, which means like a fucking person's death. You know what I mean? Right. Well, yeah. And, and that, okay. So, the thing is, the monkey's paw itself is sort of like a red herring in the same way that the $200 is. Because what it does is turns the – like, the fact of the monkey's paw and the wish turns the attention of the family on to the monkey's paw and off of the company. And that's mm-hmm. the same thing. Like, the way that the $200 functions as insurance is is in two ways. Like, maybe it's – their insurance policy, but also it is insurance for them. That's the amount of money they think they'll be able to give these people, which was yeah. like a lot of which was like a lot of money for yeah. back then. And so that's it's that's the role of that money is to shore up, it is to protect. And it was intended that way. Like the reason why they wished for the two hundred pounds mm-hmm. is that they wanted to own their home, and. Mm-hmm. They're like all these ways that people try to set themselves up to be secure. And what we get is like an old wrinkled ass monkey's paw and some company that like can grind up someone's son in a machine and nothing happens to them because they're too busy like thinking about how they shouldn't have monkey's pawed it. Totally. (laughs) 
Yeah. And, and, and if I, sorry, it just uh, something that I just thought of, like, as, uh, as, as we were talking, like one way that we see the sort of like imperialist, sort of like Orientalist discourse here via exactly this access point in a way that is uh, like at one level, it, it's just, you know, it's the racist trope of the like fakir and like, oh, the East is magical. But like the other important thing to remember about that is that like another idea was that like the West is modernity and the East is anti-modernity or like yeah. pre like the pre-modern right uh in some way diametrically opposed to that so i do think that other that the fact that it comes from this regime that is not part of like the capitalist sort of metropole but this other this you know this other thing that 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 like is there's like this atavistic desire for that as well mm-hmm. like um that also is a big part of like the oriental tale and like what the east signified in this kind of literature that i didn't until we were talking i actually did put those two two things together well, it is a logic, even though it's a sort of like mystical logic where the logic of capital is to some degree effaced, mm-hmm. even though like there's this great moment where like the the guy, the company man is walking up to the house and fancy, hat. fancy right, fancy hat. So uh, the this is Mrs. White and she was watching the mysterious movements of a man outside. Mysteries, mysteries abound, who peering in an undecided fashion at the house appeared to be trying to make up his mind to enter. In mental connection with the 200 pounds, she noticed that the stranger was well-dressed and wore a silk hat of glossy newness. So she's already like making this connection mm-hmm. between the company man and the 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. The, yes. That back formation is like something that they're already weirdly aware of. Definitely, definitely. Um, and, and it also yeah. should be known. So I said that, you know, the, the like insurance sort of arises with capital. The other thing it arises with is sort of like modern empire. And I mean, there, you know, one, like the, tr- the transatlantic slave trade. I mean, that, I mean, just some of the, I mean, if you want to read like a deeply enraging and terrifying document, like look at fucking insurance tables from Liverpool in the 18th century, right? But like, but that, but also that, but that idea, right, that like, like out into the void of the unknown. How do we account for this? The, you know these these people and these and uh, you know and the and these goods or people reduced to goods or you know like or, or physical goods out there and about that. So it's it's not you know it isn't it isn't just capital. I think it is also important that it's imperial capital that causes this sort of paradigm shift um, in some way. I know this is like a weird sort of it, it's not like a fact. It's kind of a question, but like isn't that part of the story of the Zong? massacre yes yes that's, right. that's exactly right yes yeah, so there's it, like an insurance policy issue that's yes, not i don't want to like diminish the the importance of like the humans lives lost it's just a, like this is this is but it's not immaterial that insurance no, no, is about they, they human were, lives they they murdered people to get the insurance money yeah. they were shoved right. off into the wall like yeah. the, for the insurance money it's like very yeah. it's totally yeah, if 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 people don't aren't familiar with that, I think in 1781 it was it was a slave ship called the Zong. Exactly what Katie said. Uh, the captain, uh, you know, made the decision, and and I the, the specific circumstances are kind of com- you know, or sort of don't really enter into it. Uh, it's it's the violence that that happened. Uh, basically, the captain made the decision to to murder. Like I think it was over a hundred people on board, um, specifically to recoup their insurance value. Um, that became this like. Enslaved, yes, enslaved yeah. people, exactly, yes, enslaved people. But I mean, very important, very important to to you know to focus on that aspect. 
Um, and that, so that actually made it, uh, that was like a huge, like kind of, uh, cause celeb before the, um, the, uh, the, the courts of the Admiralty, um, who ultimately ended up ruling in favor of the, the slavers because they said, well, insurance law says that this is, you know, that this is right. But that, but that caused like, I mean, it is one of the kind of first moments in Britain, at least that there is like a mass public outcry in favor of abolition, which at that moment just meant the abolition of the slave trade, because it was like, you know, it's one of those things that it's just like the violence was so shocking. It like actually did kind of pierce through like, you know, waste racist white supremacist outlook to be like, well, what the fuck, you know, like, and, and, and I think also just the idea that like, what does it mean that we are trying to, that we're assigning like numbers and dollar value to human lives, that, 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 that actually was this, this, this atrocity that sort of, um, there's just a ton of discourse in the late 18th century about that. Well, and it points to how it's like a fundamental, illogical crisis of -hmm. the slave trade that you can make people into property. Like that that uh, abolitionists at that moment were like really trying to account for these being both people and dollar value and that that's like they can't can't square the circle. They -hmm. can't quite see them as not people. Right. No, they no exactly. I mean, and that that's right, and that that fundamental sort of just like moral, like obvious moral truth, and conceptual paradox for like how this kind of logic of capital is going to work is like yeah. I mean, it is it is one of the central problems of of kind of imperial capital. Um, and I mean to sort of take it into the monkey's paw era, where we're talking about like industrial labors and in in Britain, there is also a lot of concern too that it's like that that starts to get very racialized. Like, well, if if this if this can be done to people that we are classing as other what does that mean to people that we think of as not uh, you know and and that it yeah so it it, it was a uh, yeah it, it, it i mean it's a, like cause slavery feels fairly distant from this story but i actually think that that narrative is part of some of the latent anxieties that we might see here mm-hmm. and and i will say that ian balcom spoke specters of the atlantic for him i think the the the, the primary sort of uh, the primary point is the the sort of the 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 violence inherent in like assigning a dollar value to a human life. What I want to think about a little bit is the fact that once you come to the knowledge that you can you can get yourself out of stuff with money, like you can brutalize and get your and get yourself out of it if you have built in the cost of 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 people objecting to that mm-hmm. like mm. with insurance and other stuff and so there's something okay so once you start taking insurance out on people what is almost inevitably going to happen is that you get sloppy because you have the insurance making oh. the injury more inevitable mm. than it would have been in any case so mm. like the the presence of the insurance fucks the fucks the system in a way or makes yeah. it more brutal okay yeah. and it's right the, and it's the same thing like and i think there's something that can be said similar with the with the actual monkey's paw like knowing that this thing is supposed to teach you a lesson about respecting fate it is going to take on a cast that is you know like it's going to appear sinister Mm-hmm. Even if you try to laugh it off a little bit, you if you expect you're going to learn a lesson from this thing, then 
you're going to find it because you're going to look for it. There's a way to read this story as totally not supernatural. The fact that that oh, that it's emphasized that everything can look like a coincidence is sort of important because you can do a reading of this story where it's zero percent about s- zombie sons. Right. We yeah. never see a zombie son. We see somebody not. We hear. We overhear someone knocking at the door. We have. We just think. We think with Mister and Mrs. White, right? That it's like yeah. zombie boy. Mm-hmm. And the dad goes out of his way to say that he, the only way he knew it was the son was his were his clothes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that like, he would never recognize him as a person. Yeah, because he was mangled in the machine. Like it says, he got caught in the machinery, which you can which double meanings. Hello, yeah, you got caught in the machinery of of fate. You got did you get ca- caught in the machinery of the monkey's paw? Did you get caught in the machinery of? Uh, like of uh, whatever industrial shit he was doing. Also, like, like the is it weird to say like the legend of the monkey's paw? Right, like not the not just that the thing itself has like a quote magical component, but also like the burden of the magical component that it comes with. Yeah, like if I said, "Oh, do you want this cursed rock? It'll make bad things happen to you." You say, "Fuck <laughs> no." <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then you can bet your ass if someone's like, I'll take it. I don't think it's anything bad. The next time they stub their toe, that rock is getting launched straight out the window. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, because that must be the causal agent. Yeah. That to me is what the fucking story is about. That cluster of incoherent ideas. (laughs) It's not not incoherent. It's just a lot of threads. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really interesting that it's like the causality is really a giant fucking question mark. The the other thing that's more you know so we we just had this sprawling discourse that did like two hundred years of kind of imperialist history and, and stuff like that and, and you know the factory the workplace where the sun works like that's not we're never there like it is really interesting like how domestic yeah. this narrative is even with like this object of empire appearing and all is, is like you know logic of capital around it the, the the fact that it centers around this kind of like proto-nuclear sort of petty bush well not actually laboring it's not really petty bourgeois right but but anyway but this, it feels this, like it is like when we enter it i feel yeah. like it has all this like petty bourgeois affectation but it turns out no yeah but they also t- they don't talk like that like they don't speak like the they don't talk like uh they don't they don't talk bougie okay I will only – I'm sorry to like – I'm not trying to move us backward, but uh, – because this family stuff is important. But like facts of Tuslerology, I used to work in commercial liability insurance and that job was more boring than it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. It was the worst job I've ever had and one of the pro- – what are they called? Producers? The, the guys who dealt with the companies used to comment on everything I would eat because he was scared that I would get a secretary spread. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. And I wow. did not sue the shit out of this company for their liability insurance. <laughs> oh. Perhaps uh, could we revisit that? I mean, that's most of the story. Like, I didn't work there very long. I also, like... I meant suing them. Oh, (laughs) I gave my notice over the phone and then, like, walked away and never came back. Like, I just straight (laughs) burned the bridge. Nice. Tell them to eat your ass whatever size you decide you'd like it. Yeah, basically. (laughs) I never have done anything like that. I'm usually, like, 
ashamedly kind of like, oh, well, I work for these people. I should probably like give my notice. Nope. Well, no good, notice. Good for good for you. Good for you. Yeah, but if we're doing fun, if we're doing fun facts, one time I quit a job by telling them I was moving to Canada indefinitely, and I <laughs> definitely wasn't. <laughs> That's creative. That's creative. And also, did and you my, break up with your boyfriend the same way? Uh yes, yeah. <laughs> if you ever hear I'm moving to Canada indefinitely, I'm trying to get rid of your ass. Yeah, I, I <laughs> I'm just trying to break up with you. I kind of peter from an office based job where it's just like, I'm just, I'm going to stay calm, but I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best. That's time theft, and I approve. But yes. um, anyway. Uh, okay, sorry. Yeah. That was just like, I would never, I will never have another opportunity to reveal that fact in this podcast. And so I had to. But <laughs> no, uh, let's just talk about this Oedipal triangle. I can't fucking wait. Well, yeah, and like, yeah, why the large size? It's weird, right? It's like this nuclear family, except, oh, they don't have enough children by like Victorian standards, and they're they're nope, just re- saying, who's going to inherit that t- that house now? Presumably, they 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 had other kids. Okay, that, oh, that's really? A, that's one. Yeah, because um, he says at one point like he was our last one left or something. Mm. It's hard. It's hard on us because he was our last one. Uh, which could mean he was the last. It, it could mean that he was the last, the the largest son that stayed home, or it could be the deep, <laughs> the, the deep, the deeply tragic that he's. You know, he was there. That they, that the, 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 this, this absent the magical paw. This has been a recurring thing. Yes. Okay. So this is it. It's um. It, he says uh, after he's just caught in the machinery. He says. Uh, he was the only one left to us, uh, he said, turning gently to the visitor. It is hard. Ooh, interesting. Um, so we yeah. assume that those are dead people and not like people who got, you know, who went off to law school or something. Yes. Uh, one one th- one presumes. Well, so that sort of implies even more the possibility of chance. Yeah, it does. and right. And it also implies, too, like the sort of like – the kind of worker, how I mean, like that there. So now this is getting like much more kind of like tragic than just eminently dunkable. But it's like the the kind of worker household that is already like severely depleted and kind of just like sort of hanging on, which has will would have a different relationship to the big structures of empire and capital than if it were like the petty bourgeois house. That I agree. Like when you first start reading, that you kind of think you are, but then it turns out you're not. Because yeah, she says, um, I, I don't know if this was implied, inferred, whatever, but um, the Mrs. White says when he's talking about the son, or no, he's talking about she's talking about the general or not the general. What the fuck is it? Sergeant, Sergeant Major. Sergeant Major. I'll yeah. never know that. Yeah. Um, Morris. She says he don't look to have taken much harm. No, but that, but but also, I sorry, the the, the sergeant major too. That actually is an important detail too, because he's a uh, uh, that's it's an enlisted rank. Um, it's one that implies that he's been in the service for decades, as we're told. But he it's like it, you know, if if this was a bourgeois narrative, he would be an officer. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I do think that that's oh, kind yeah. of an important marker. And so, what's funny is that wishing on the monkey's paw itself is a class marker, isn't it? You know. Like wanting the monkey's mm-hmm. paw that much and being wanting it on main, you know, like in the mm-hmm. way that they do. So, am I wrong about like, I guess I don't understand what 
to whom a mortgage was available because this is like part of the thing that they're trying to manage is like the 200 bucks pays off the rest of their mortgage. Right. So who That's a great do question, poor yeah. people get loans? I, I'm not being – I'm not I, – well, I guess I am being obtuse. But you know what I'm no. saying. No, no, that's yeah, a great I, I question, know. and I, I, I unfortunately don't know. Um, I, I do know that, uh, like historically and even today, uh, sort of la- uh, the availability of like land, land and real estate is um, a lot different in Britain than it is in the United States, where it kind of became the primary mechanism, really from an early point on, uh, toward a sort of like kind of bourgeois status. Yeah, that lending is like uh, appears to be a way of a of class aspiration. Yes, yeah. Mm. I mean, we all see it very nakedly after two thousand eight that that's like ridiculous lie, but uh, and, and and also the, it always the, has like, been totally, and also like it, it totally it has been, and also intensely racialized in a way that is not really oh, part yeah. of the official official narrative of the United States, but yeah. We could go. We could go on. Um, that's a lot of the story. But mommy but, and daddy and me are are all holed up together before he has to go off to work. And um, well, thank God we're going to get this money, so his dad doesn't have to be henpecked anymore. So they're they're all joking around in this bizarro ass fucking way about what they're going to do with the 200 bucks or, or about wishing on the paw to get $200. And the son even says, well, well, how could $200 hurt you? The naivete it that falls on your head. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's like his, his joke. The fact that he's naive enough to think that you couldn't get money in a way that would hurt you tells you, it tells you almost everything you need to know about them. But also like, this is a, so they're, they're incredibly nice. Like the family is, is incredibly naive in this weird way, but there's also like a ton of the the mommy, daddy, and me stuff is like really there, and it's it's sort of supposed to be. It's like there are weirdly some affecting moments in it. So the dad is staring blankly out the window and taking his wife's hand between his own, pressed it as he had been wont to do in their old courting days, nearly forty years before. Um, and that's when he said, you know. And that's when so so they're like holding hands and they pass out and all this shit, and then they're and then um he the Mrs. White gets out of bed one night and Mr. White says come back you'll be cold, and she says it's colder for my son, and she just starts crying and crying and so like there's all this stuff there's all this stuff like and it's such a short story, (laughs) yeah, and it appears as one thing which is like the bent fairy tale yeah mm-hmm. not that the fairy tale isn't itself like over over determined but yeah like what's the other ending to the because this for me like i kept thinking about other endings right like other logistic other logically consistent endings to the monkey's paw that would make the that would complete the, that would make the triangle that would replace the paw in the triangle you know mm-hmm. um and it, like I just couldn't help but think that, it, so it seems like the dad, the dad is what thwarts the the reunification of the family, right mm-hmm. at the end. I mean, I think I would say like even if I were thinking about uh, alternative endings, the the thing would not hold together without the first wish, right? Like, there's no that has to be what it is. Yes, right. Like the money thing, that like the story is. Un, 
you know, unimaginable without that. So it's like what the next two wishes are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's so horrifying is like a zombie that we think is a zombie, but it's actually not in the story at all. Yeah. And why? And like, and the thing is, I don't understand why it would be. Like, why, if you believe the monkey's paw is real and works, would you not believe it would work in a naturalistic way as it's as it's been said to work all the times before and as it worked when it killed the sun. Like why would it not reverse in the same way? Like, Oh, this, this was just a misunderstanding or whatever, like resolves itself in that way. And it seems to almost set that up by saying, well, I didn't, I couldn't, I just saw his clothes. I didn't see him, you know? Yeah. Um, Well, it does. It sets up. Yeah. Well, I know we've we've talked I forget which show, but we've talked about the Victorian anxiety of people being buried alive, right? Oh um, yeah. So that could be another thing, right? It's like because because the naturalistic thing isn't it was misunderstanding. The naturalistic thing was like they buried the son alive and he like clawed his like mangled way out of the tomb. You know what I mean? Like so there actually oh, is like So are a we real- made to believe that he wasn't chopped up into tiny little bits? No, like, but like, why would it have to be him that was chopped into bits? Is what I'm saying. Like, mm. why was it necessarily Herbert who was? Ch- There's someone's chopped into bits. Yeah, that's no, that's true. That's true. Because what use is money if you can't pass it along? Right. Yeah. What do we do without our firstborn son? <laughs> our only surviving son, I suppose. Well, and to go back, so I mean, the, at one hand, right, the the idea of fate and the this like not modern thing that is kind. I mean, it's it's terrifying, but also kind of a sense of com- or a sense of order that like the modern world seems to possess. It also is terrified, right? So like that whole thing, like oh, like that this was created to like basically like punish people who try to interfere with fate. It's all it is like suddenly this fear that like oh, if I got this to work out for me you know, the way I want it to, then that actually, like, there, there's no way it would, that whatever was produced by it would be much more horrible than just living in, you know, the kind of misery of the present, you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Katie, uh, what's what's our game going to be about? Is it, it with this monkey's paw or that monkey's paw? What do you wish for? <laughs> it's called, um, well, if you had three wishes and you could wish for a game i hope one of the games you'd wish for was bingo because that's what we're playing today awesome it's bingo <laughs> it's bonobo bingo oh, okay <laughs> bonobo bingo mom stop um, listening now please <laughs> <laughs> this is this is uh really i mean this will be the the least vulgar part of the show uh no it won't be <laughs> but anyway so like vulgar so we have us these- who me uh okay so much so i so i've set you up for this so return to your in your minds close your eyes and return now to a simpler time a time when we were just giving facts about bonobos and before we knew anything about anything else okay you remember any of those facts about bonobos like how they fuck a bunch yeah yeah handshake yes and and the very onlineness of loving and arguing about bonobos. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. So this bingo game is not about bonobos themselves, but about the things that are said about them online. Excellent. Okay. Can't wait. And in order to create this bingo game, I went on a little website 
that some people refer to as reddit.com. <laughs> oh, no. The asshole to- of the internet. Yeah, I I dove into the asshole of the internet. So before you know too much about bonobos, you might, if you have limited information, you might say, you might make an erroneous statement like it would be better if we lived more like bonobos, you know. It's not an erroneous statement. It's just a, I I don't know. I can't imagine fucking being a bonobo. (laughs) It's only natural to, to want to, to want to, to. I mean, maybe they're better. But okay, so like one of the bingo spaces I have here is every time I read a bonobo story, I wish I was a bonobo. Check that one off. Okay. (laughs) And just to be completely clear, um, Tristan, that's not what you said. You did not (laughs) say you wished you were a bonobo. (laughs) So we're just going to do this by by fate. And so just put yourself in the mindset of someone who you're, you're a Reddit commenter and you're making comments on an article about bonobos and how much they fuck. What are some things that you might say about bonobos? And there's a free space in the middle. And the free space in the middle of the card, I like how we're playing a visual game on an audio podcast. Um the the free space actually is a well actually space. Got it. And the quote there is, I am skeptical of this. I recently read an article on how bonobo sexuality has been poorly recorded and exaggerated for political reasons. <laughs> exaggerated sure. for cool. Cool. So um and, and we're gonna do this real loosey goosey. So whoever is the final one of you to to guess the genre of dumb thing people say online about bonobos is the bingo winner because fate monkey's paw. So just off the top of my head, I have, I actually have like a, they, they mirror on one fact. Okay. One is that, holy shit, I wish I were a bonobo because I want massive balls. Okay. That's one. Mm-hmm. Then the other one, the flip side though, would be like, I don't need to be a bonobo because I already have that. Right. So like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Okay. So one of the spaces. So, so of those two, you got one of the spaces, which is I heard whatever thing about their balls. <laughs> okay. So we're filling that in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So should, am I supposed to like hazard a guess? Yes, that right? like hazard a guess of a dumb thing people say online about bonobos. Oh, um, it would be great to be a bonobo because then I could watch lady bonobos fuck each other. <laughs> okay, let's see. You know what? You know what space I'm going to give you for that? I'm going to give you the comment that was. Oh, this is bad. Uh, see, ladies. Oh, I don't. <laughs> The most successful and all, and I'm gonna c- cancel that out. Um, the most successful and awesome female-run society in the world is one where sex is used to resolve conflict. You hear that, wife? <laughs> oh, wow. I'm gonna give you that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay. 
Okay. Huh. That, all right. So that, no, that, yeah, that, that's, that's a good, that's a good strike there. But good, good, big go. Cause I, that what I had with toyed with was the, was something about like, it's not something, uh, either like, like really creepily, uh, into like matriarchy or on the flip side, extremely, uh, misogynistic about, <laughs> you know, like two and two versus like, like real, real. That sounds fun. right. That's gotta yeah. be in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's a little space we like to call see ladies just spread your legs and solve all society's problems. Okay. All right. So yeah, all right. There, there we go. I'll I'll claim that. I'll claim I'll claim that uh, that that square uh with 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 that uh I, I keep I keep doing the like the the like the the binary gross options, you know. Like, Pretty sure <laughs> you're going to get a lot right if you go for the binary gross options. Yeah. Yeah. If you go for the So if we also if we need if we need some clues here, we can also like so there's jokes, right? Of course. There's uh speculation about their sexual activities. Mm-hmm. And there's also just like sex jokes in general that you might put in an online comment section. Is there like, something about like bonobos are cool but no homo? Yes, bro, are they fucking gay, bro? That's the space. Uh, Yay! Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh how about how about real dumb puns that don't actually work? Like bonobo, I hardly knew her. Oh shit! Okay, that <laughs> that's a good one. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna give you for that. I'm gonna give you a space a, a space that's related, which is 69 comments. LOL. Well, not anymore. <laughs> oh no. Uh. I believe that is a square that is referred to as nice in internet discourse, right? <laughs> yes. Oh God, it's ru- it's ru- it's ruined all our our brains. Um, Reddit and you know, uh, it's just absolutely destroyed all of our brains. And so we're like so close to bingo, you guys. We're so close to bingo. Give us a Give- hint. Um, it relates to. Something that came up earlier that no one liked to hear about. The the the, the bonobo pedophilia thing. Yeah, oh, I well, wonder well, if bonobos can do this. Doesn't it affect our age of consent laws? Oh. I wonder if there's an age of consent for this behavior. Yeah, oh, I mean, no, bad, no, no. But I'm happy I mean that, with bingo. Yeah, bingo. Yeah. The internet, um, the is ones a, the that, internet is a dark place. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> the internet is a dark. The internet is a dark place. Yeah, a dark and stormy you, place, if you will. Yeah, a dark and stormy place. This was the scariest part of the whole thing. Um, the spaces that we didn't get to were: imagine if humans did that. Frank, I'm sorry, I stole your lunch from the fridge. In return, I'll blow you. Um, <laughs> do you? <laughs> or uh, so Tristan you you did get this one. Do you think our society would be better off if women made the calls? These bonobos seem to be on to something. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. heard they fuck too much to keep in zoos is another one. <laughs> I feel we can learn a lesson from our bonobo cousins. My girlfriend uses the opposite technique. They are actually very violent. We share DNA. And then, of course, the and look where that's gotten them. Second place bitches, they sit in trees while I go get breakfast at McDonald's at 9 p.m. <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Um, yeah. 
Glad, glad I'm not. Congratulations. A, glad I'm not a redditor. <laughs> I'm glad that I have not googled bonobos today, and yeah. I will never do that. No, I'm not. Yes, I'm. I'm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say, Kate, when you asked first if we knew anything about bonobos, I totally forgot that that was even a word. And and, and I Googled it, and it was the, the pants thing, like the, the clothes thing that yeah. came up. And I'm very happy that that was the top search result I saw. Is there like a Richard Attenborough documentary about fucking bonobos? Bonobos fucking, whatever you want to say. There are two things about bonobos that people know, and it's one reason why a lot of horny people are interested in bonobos because of that book, Sex at Dawn. Um, and there's another earlier book called Demonic Males that oh, is no. like this. Yeah, and it's about how chimpanzees rip their each other's faces off um, and how bonobos are great because they love to jacket all day <laughs> and not rip each other's faces off. Humans are the worst of all worlds, aren't we? No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You try to get bingo twice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy with bingo once. <laughs> all right. Um, oh, go ahead. And make love, not war was the bonus space. Um, if we all lived uh, like bonobos, there'd be no wars, man. Oh, of course. Yeah, that's uh, just fuck more. No war. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not discouraging people from fucking more. I'm just thing that's yeah it's good. It's good. It's good. yeah sure it's like absolutely by all be it's just skeptical as though as to that that would solve all of humanity's ills yeah. <laughs> but i mean again i don't discourage people from jacking it after all we have to seize the means of production exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm dead don't, i'm done don't no. don't seize it too hard <laughs> fucking tweet that you are gonna get like fifty thousand retweets i swear to god uh, go on twitter.com anyway i'm hilarious uh this has been better than dead you can find tristan on twitter at tj schweiger you can find katie on twitter at katie crywo you can find me on Twitter at Tesslersaurus. You can find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BetterEdPod. And email us at BetterEdPodcast at gmail.com. But only if you want to tell us what your second and third wishes are after you get the 200 pounds in a bad way. <laughs> um, our intro music- I'm getting a bonobo. <laughs> <laughs> getting a bonobo and then I'm killing it. <laughs> protect, protect your underwear parts. That'll teach it. <laughs> Our intro music is Lev Bronstein by the Redskins and used with their permission. Our logo was created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Rate, review us, and subscribe. We still have buttons and stickers, and they're so good. You would like to have them. Uh, next week, we are continuing our Halloween episodes with Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House. And then we follow with Henry Fielding's Joseph Andrews after that. So thanks, comrades. Say we monkey around We're too busy saying